0: What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Off the Rails, a recovery podcast dedicated to ending the stigma of addiction through open discussion on all things recovery-related. My name is Mark, and with me always are Dave and Jared. And Dave, take it away.
1: Yes, our next guest is a couple days shy of two years being sober. Uh, You can find her on Instagram under Happiest Sober, where she's spreading the joys of a sober life. Uh, you can also find our podcast, Sip Talk, on Spotify and Apple Music. It's your sobriety hype girl, <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> Hi. And actually, I should have asked you. I, I thought I saw that it was November 8th was your two yeah,
2: years. Yeah, so. you're right. So it's two I, days away.
1: Okay, okay perfect. <laughs> Madeline, thank you so
0: much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so what we do most times, uh, we put out two episodes a week. Uh, our Thursday episode, we bring on guests such as yourself and get them to kind of share their story and uh so we're really glad to have you here today
2: glad to be here
0: so first things first where are you from
2: I'm from so I live in Toronto Ontario but I grew up in Whitby which is just like 45 minutes east of the city
0: good stuff and what about like family life growing up for you
2: I had a- like I've, I had a really good childhood. My, um, I have two sisters and my mom and myself and my two sisters are super close and tight knit. My mom actually got sober at 21. Um, and she's been sober now for close to 40 years. Um, she has one day one, like walked into AA at 21, never drank again. Um, and so my dad, when, uh, my parents met, they were both sober Um, but when I was eight, my dad relapsed and so my parents separated. Um, and so my dad was kind of like, he was around, but he was kind of absent for a lot of our lives, kind of like in and out of rehab. He's now seven years sober. Um, but it was very much like a tight knit all girls house, me and my mom and my two sisters. Um, so like, obviously the stuff with my dad was. A difficult aspect of it but um my mom is just like so amazing that she really kind of compensated for it so yeah i i I had a good childhood
0: yeah so like even the divorce was all right
2: it was a messy divorce (laughs) but you know it is what it is
0: absolutely Um,
3: did you have like some hard feelings for your dad before you knew about addiction and after going through it yourself do you is it easier to understand what he went through
2: mm, yes and no like it is something that we talk about a lot now and like he always will text me on like my like month every every kind of month milestone I have he'll send me a text but I don't know we do kind of have like really different stories still um but I feel like I came to terms with stuff with him a while ago. Um, So it is just, if anything, it's something else for us to like talk about now. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's just something else we kind of like relate more on, but we do have like his, his kind of drinking and mine were two kind of very different things.
1: When you were younger, did um, your parents talk about, talk to you about, uh, or your mom, I guess about not drinking and that kind of thing, or have you stayed away from it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was a huge conversation in our house. It's really funny because my mom hates rules. She was like the least strict mom of all time, except for alcohol. And like my sisters and I, none of us were allowed to drink in high school. um, And none of us did like we respected that boundary so well because we like had this almost healthy, like fear of it. Like we'd watched our parents' marriage fall apart because of it. And like alcoholism runs in our family. And it was just such this open conversation in our house that we knew it was just something like none of us were ever going to cross that line with our mom. Um, And then I'm the youngest. So when my sisters went away to school, that was when my mom was like, well, Have a drink, you're you're away at university, but like be mindful of it, pay attention to how it makes you feel. Um, and so I I feel like this is a classic youngest child thing. I snuck through where I was allowed to drink in grade 12 because I would like go visit my sisters at school. So then I I kind of drank, I started drinking in my last year of high school um because of that, but it really was like it was a big conversation in our house.
0: Madeline, that first time drinking. How was that? Do you want to talk about that experience?
2: Yeah, it so our mom had always really said, like, have a drink, but only have one or two pay attention to how you feel and was very like would talk about like what the red flags are. Um, So the first time I drank, I only had one or two. Like I didn't get drunk. I was very cautious about it the first few times, I want to say it wasn't until like maybe like a month or two into it where I got like really wasted for the first time.
0: Did you see any, like, I guess, progression from there? Do you think like when you, you know, you mentioned like the first time you were mindful and then like Mm -hmm. you started drinking a bit more, did it ever progress from there?
2: Yeah. Then I stopped being mindful very quickly. (laughs) Once I kind of like got really drunk for the first time, then it was, it was not mindful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Then I was definitely like really kind of into the like party drinking scene pretty quickly. Mm -hmm.
1: That was wow. I was still that was still in high school.
2: Yeah, that was in yeah. grade. That was like my last year of high school, and then I went away to university, which obviously lots of partying happened there.
0: Would you say like uh, it was probably like a weekend thing then?
2: Yes and no. Um, Like, I feel like Thursdays are kind of a weekend in university. So I drink like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But then like Mondays was the dollar beer night special. And so was Wednesday. So like it was weekends, but like a lot of weeknights too. Mm -hmm. It was a big party school. Absolutely. Where do you go to school? Western.
3: Oh. Yeah. (laughs) You guys know
2: it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So at what point were, did you realize like alcohol was kind of causing you some issues?
2: I, okay. I think that I knew in my gut pretty early on that it wasn't great, but there were things that were fine about it as well. Like I still consider myself having been sort of like on the gray area of the spectrum, um, between like normal drinking and like full blown kind of alcoholism, um, So like, for instance, my mom would always say, watch out. If you really have like a big personality change when you drink, that's not a good thing. I was always like a pretty happy drunk, but I didn't have much of an off switch. I blacked out a lot. And for me, the biggest thing was that like I, the day after drinking, I had the most intense anxiety and shame the next day. And that was really eventually what made me quit drinking. Um, so I knew like, kind of in my gut that "Mm, I like drinking too much. I definitely got like, got too drunk too often. Um, off switch probably wasn't there, but I think that when, I really was starting to be like, oh, this is really not good. I need to like reevaluate. This was when I was like 24, 25, I moved to Australia and lived there for a year. Um, and I did like a working holiday. I was bartending and I drank like nearly every day while I was there because I was very much like, it was a year I was living there, but I was like, I'm on vacation and like really kind of justified it. And it got, it got super out of hand and like my mental health, took a huge hit because of it. Um, and like kind of halfway through my year there, I was starting to to feel like concerned about it.
0: Do you find like working in like the bar industry, it's kind of normalized to kind of have
2: that drink every day? A hundred percent. And I had never um, worked in that industry. The only time I've ever worked in that industry was when I was living in Australia. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a huge drinking culture when you're working at bars, for sure. All the staff, we'd all drink together after our shifts
1: you went from a kind of a huge uh, drinking culture at Western to Australia bartending. Yeah. When you came home, did it kind of continue?
2: Yeah. So... I like halfway through my year there. I actually, for the first time ever, seriously considered like quitting drinking. Like I looked up like a sober blog for the first time ever. And then I decided it, I was like, I'm taking this whole month off of drinking. Like I just felt so terrible about how much I'd been drinking. I decided that that day. And then I drank that day and like never took the break. Um, and towards the end of the year, I was literally like, I'm kind of a functioning alcoholic. This is not good. I need to reel it way in when I get home. And like, I got home and like, I reeled it in to an extent because I moved back into my mom's house at that point. So like, I wasn't carrying on the way that I was while I was in Australia, but I wasn't able to reel it in like the way that I wanted. Like I came home really with the intention of like cutting down and that didn't happen.
3: What brought you to completely like stopping saying enough's enough?
2: It's really funny because it was after the most uneventful night. Like I had a few times where there was like, I would have a real, like I, I blacked out at a work Christmas party after I got home, like at the end of 2019. And I felt I was beside myself about it. Not because anything happened at the Christmas party to my knowledge to this day, but like I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my God, I could have done anything. I don't remember. I was a wreck. And so I took that made me decide to do dry January. I took a month off for dry January and that was early 2020. Um, But I totally just treated it as like a break. And I like, stayed up till midnight for February 1st to drink again. It was my reward at the end of it. And then it didn't actually make me reevaluate it because I found it, I was miserable. Like I found it so hard and if anything I came away from that month being like this proved that I can't be sober and like enjoy my life cuz I felt like I had nothing to look forward to on the weekends. Like it was so challenging for me. Um but then a couple months later, uh we went into lockdown for the pandemic and then my drinking really got out of hand again like kind of Australia level again because we had nothing to do. I was drinking pretty much every day again. Um, And then kind of that summer of 2020, like I was drinking so much and my anxiety after drinking was just getting progressively worse and worse and worse to the point where even if I just like hung out with my sisters and no one else and had like a few drinks with them, I would be a mess about it in the morning still. And I wouldn't be able to shake it. And they would be like, but you were just with us and nothing happened. Like you have no reason to feel that way. Um, But I still could not shake it. And so there was just one night where I had one of my closest friends over. We like drank in my backyard. Nothing happened. I got way too drunk, but I woke up in the morning. I'd passed out on my couch, like the TV was on. And I had a text from her being like, thanks so much. That was such a good night. But I felt so low. And like so anxious, and I just had this like moment of clarity where I was like, I cannot stand to feel this way anymore. Um, And so I I like started looking up kind of like sober Instagram and just like made a real decision that day. And I didn't stop drinking that day, but I decided that day that I was going. I like set an end date for myself, kind of. Um, And then that was when I actually really tried to quit and then it was like around a month or two later that i actually did
3: i find the uh the anxiety after a big night of drinking is crazy um and that I would just start drinking again to get rid of it. Did you mm. ever have to, did that ever happen to you?
2: I did that in Australia because I really gave myself a total free pass <laughs> when I was there. Cause I was just like, I'm on vacation, even though it was a year. So I would totally go like, have like breakfast mimosas in Australia and stuff. But when I was like back home, kind of living my normal life, I didn't really do that. Like I wouldn't wake up and start drinking right away. Um, I would just suffer through it, (laughs) the anxiety.
0: So, Madeline, you said you, like, kind of set a date for yourself.
2: Um, Mm -hmm. Did you stick
0: to it the first, like, first date that you set? Or did you keep kind of, like, pushing it back at all?
2: I actually stuck to it in that, like, my first attempt was on that date. Like, it wasn't, it took me, it was, like, my fourth try that stuck. So, the reason I set a date was because it was my sister's 30th birthday was coming up. So, I was, like, I'll do her 30th birthday. We – celebrated with our friends. And then we had a trip booked to a Ni- Niagara on the lake to like tour some wineries. Um, and I literally was there mentally thinking like, this is my farewell tour to wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done after this. Um, and then when I got home, I did like, I, I read like a, a quit lip book that day, the day we got home. Um, and that was like mid to late September. And then that was when I first started trying. And then it took me until early November for like it to stick.
1: You, I kind of, I kind of see like a shift in, uh, as you're talking about, cause it can kind of relate when you went on online for, you know, social media to, for mm. help with the sobriety and 10 years ago. I mean, when I first kind of thought I had an issue, like I started looking up AA meetings. I never went, but I always was like, kind of knew where they were. And I'm like, should I go? Um, So anyway, what I was going to ask you is, I mean, I I think I've heard you say that you don't consider yourself like an alcoholic. Do you think sometimes we get caught up too much on the labels and it's kind of shifting now where it's like, you're just addressing your issue and it doesn't really matter what you want to call yourself. Like you had an issue with drinking and the fact you're getting healthy and living a good life now is all that really matters.
2: Yeah. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with the label. Like, for example, my mom, I like, she found it to be super empowering to say I'm an alcoholic. Cause then she's like, I'm calling it what it is. Now I'm going to do something about it. Whereas like, I think that f- first of all, like it just didn't necessarily, I didn't feel like I really fit that definition. Like my life on the outside looked pretty okay. Like it was really how drinking made me feel like Obviously, I had a problematic relationship. I, it was it was a problem for me. But I think what can happen is that I think society has this very specific like definition of what an alcoholic looks like. And I think a lot, I think that that probably prevents a lot of people from getting help or from getting sober because they're like, "Well, I'm not that though, like I'm not an alcoholic. So, that means I don't have to quit. So that means I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And I think it's such an important conversation to to be like, whether or not you identify as an alcoholic, if alcohol is a problem for you and it's affecting your life negatively, you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic. You don't have to feel like you are one, but if you feel like it's bringing your life down, then like that is a valid reason to do something about it.
1: Like that was perfectly said. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Madeline, during this time that you're, you know, you're thinking about quitting, um, did you ever reach out to your mom and kind of talk to her about it? And was she like a good resource to help? Oh my you?
2: God. Yes. I had like daily calls, <laughs> my mom, especially cause I got sober in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a tough time. It was ice, like sobriety can be isolating as it is, let alone when you're in lockdown, I was living alone as well. So yeah, I had, um, I had daily calls with her every day and um she was really it it was like she was completely my support system and it helped me so much and like she really gave me the space to figure it out on my own as well like she didn't try to persuade me she really just let me like talk it out with her and work it out um and it was really validating as well because because my life kind of looked okay a lot of people were kind of like, I don't think you have, a-. like some people were kind of like, I don't think you have a problem. I think you're fine. And it was really validating. Cause like, she was like, I've always known, <laughs> I've always known it wasn't great. So that made me feel like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Cause I found myself doubting it. Or when you kind of like get maybe one or two months and you start to forget how bad it really was. And then I would be like doubting myself and being like, was it really that bad? Like I was 27 and I was like, I still, I still have some of my twenties left. Maybe I did this too soon. Um, and yeah, to have her kind of as like a sounding board through that for sure was, oh my God, huge.
3: Madeline, what's it like, like with your friends, um, either the ones that you just used to drink with, Mm -hmm. Or Good friends. Did you lose friends along the way or have to like part ways with people because of your choice to get better?
2: I didn't lose any friends, but there were definitely some relationships where like it was challenging at first to where like we used to drink a lot together and like I felt guilty about it. Honestly, like that was something that I really struggled with feeling guilty because I felt like the people who I was close with, but who we really like, we're were drinking buddies. I'm a bond over drinking. Like I felt like, Oh, I'm like abandoning them in this like thing that we connect like with together. Um, and so that, that was really hard because I knew that that's how I would have felt. Honestly, I knew that if one of the people I drank with a lot got sober, I would, I would have struggled with it. So I kind of like took that on and felt sort of guilty about it. Um, And we were able to work through it. And I'm lucky that like, I still do have all of my friends, some friendships kind of shifted a little bit, but for the most part, people have been really supportive. I think it just took like, for some people, it took a lot of kind of explaining on my part to be like, look, it was wrecking my mental health. And I, like, I have to do this for me.
1: What's that sister? What's your sister's dynamic? Like, I know you're close to them. I mean, as far as that, do you want to talk about that? Like, they're drinking and stuff like that. But like when you guys get together or is, is it uh drink, like they have drinks at all or
2: yeah, they still drink. And like, honestly, I really don't mind being around people when they're drinking. Honestly, I find it fun. I probably live vicariously a little bit if I'm being honest sometimes. So it doesn't, it doesn't bother me and I'm, I'm okay with it. Like all of my friends from real life still drink. (laughs) My friends from real life, as opposed to my like Instagram friends who I've met in the sober community.
3: I actually like, uh, relate a lot with that. I, yeah, I think it's hilarious watching well, people that don't have a drinking problem, yeah, drink. And it's, uh, pretty funny.
2: Yeah. It can be fun, yeah. especially, but you, I like, find...
3: it gets annoying sometimes, but you could just know when to leave. So,
2: yes, I'm yeah. still working on the knowing when to leave part. Sometimes I feel bad. Um, or just like something I really realized in the last like couple of months that I'm still working on is like this need I've had to prove to people that like, I'm still just as fun as I was and like, oh, oh it's midnight and I want to go home, but like I should wait until 2 a.m. So they don't think I'm boring now, like that kind of thing, which is kind of funny because obviously it's not fun to sit at a bar until 2 a.m. when you're not drinking. Um, but yeah, I do. I find it fun. And I find too that like sometimes sometimes when other people are drinking around me, you almost like their inhibitions are dropped, have dropped. So it makes it easier to just kind of like let loose anyways and feel almost this like fake buzz without drinking alcohol. Do you ever get that?
0: Kind of, but
2: like, like yeah, like, the- I think
0: that makes sense for sure. A little right? bit of a, like a little
3: bit of like,
2: it's like a natural know. high.
3: Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. What is it? What is it like? Uh This might sound weird, but is it weird when guys try to hit on you or something and you're sober at the bar?
2: Yeah. Like I've, I, when they're, when they're really drunk, it's, yeah. it's kind of just funny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: Madeline, at what point um, did you decide to create your Instagram?
2: Oh my gosh. It was actually in my first month of sobriety. It was really soon just because I like there were even before I actually finally decided to quit drinking, there were so many mornings where I was in like a hungover shame spiral and I would scroll sober Instagram and it really helped me a lot. And so I just I kind of wanted to just join in on it. And I want I thought it was so cool if I could be that for somebody else. Um so obviously in the beginning it was a lot of just kind of like almost a bit of like a journal of of things, like h- how it was going for me. Um and And the aspect of also getting to make connections with other sober people was really cool, especially because of where we were at. Like with the pandemic, um, I I didn't know anyone in real life who was getting sober and like that wasn't really an option either. So it was really helpful.
0: Do you find it helps you or I guess continues to help you and helped you in the beginning stay accountable
2: too? A hundred percent. I like, I credit Sober Instagram with helping me Stay sober. Like it really has kept me accountable, even to this day for sure.
1: We've had a conversation about like mocktails and uh non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, were you right into that right away? Or did um like did they make you feel comfortable, like not crave alcohol when you started having them? Or did yeah. you wait a little bit?
2: I found like non-alcoholic wine really helpful right from the get-go. Um, especially because like when I first quit drinking, like we were in lockdown and I was working from home and I was in the habit of like pouring myself a glass of wine right after work every single day. And so to just like, at least kind of keep that, that going, but with like an alcohol-free glass of wine, um, I find it, I found it helpful to just feel like, okay, I still have a little kind of after work ritual. Um, and they definitely helped me to feel like included in a social situation. Now that isn't so much of a thing for me where it's funny. I was actually just saying this to my mom the other day where like early on, if I was at a party and I had just like a glass of non-alcoholic wine or like a, an alcohol-free drink of any kind, like I wouldn't really, like I would like that it made me blend in and people might just like assume I was drinking. Whereas now it's almost the opposite where I went to a Halloween party last weekend and I had like a, a can of like a premixed mocktail and I literally wanted to, people to know it wasn't alcohol (laughs) like I didn't say it but in my mind I wanted to like just so you know I'm not drinking (laughs) so now I'm like I don't need the aspect of like looking like I'm drinking um because now I'm at a point where I don't care like if people know that I don't um but it is just nice like to go out and have something to sip on other than just like a water like I love I love ordering fun mocktails and yeah
1: did you do you find that came with like getting more comfortable with yourself in, in sobriety, like not with just sobriety, but just
2: in general. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's a combination of both. I think when you first quit drinking it's socializing feels so awkward at first it's not only awkward to do it sober because like you're not used to socializing sober anymore like it's funny because i went through pretty much all of high school sober um but then i once i started drinking then i just started relying on that to feel comfortable in social situations um so it's like the added layer of relearning how to just actually feel comfortable in a social situation but then also navigating dealing with other people asking you why you're not drinking or like having to tell people you don't drink and navigate people's funny reactions to that. Um, cause people do react funny to it a lot of the time. So yeah, it's almost like a double whammy at first, I think.
1: So, uh,
0: Oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 you go.
1: So <laughs> I was just going to ask what the podcast a little bit, what uh, inspired you to get that going with, with your, with your friend who I'm, lacking the name of right. Yeah.
2: Haley, this unwasted life. Um, we became friends really quickly, um, uh, on Instagram and we had been chatting for like, I think we connected with probably my first few months on there and then like exchanged numbers and had video chatted. And just like, we were just in this, we, we just got into a friendship where we were just talking all the time and we're such good friends. And, um, I think it just like spontaneously came up one time when we were video chatting of like, we can start a podcast together. Um, and then, yeah, and then we did. And then she, she flew here to visit, which was so fun. Um, and that was our first time kind of meeting in person in real life. Um, so yeah, that's been a lot of fun with her. We wrapped, we wrapped like our first season. So yeah, it'll be more in the new year. (laughs) Incredible
0: name, by the way, Sip Talk.
2: Thank you. (laughs) It's hard to pick a name.
0: Yeah, that's, well done. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I was looking at us uh, looking at earlier.
2: Uh-huh. Can you
0: tell us about your sober trip you have coming up? Let's hear yes. all
2: about it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about it. So it's through Trova Trip is uh, the company name. Um, and so we're going to be going to Costa Rica in May 2023. Um, I'm so excited just because I think like. I think that traveling is such a challenging thing to do sober for the first time, Um, especially when like, especially for me, vacations and trips always revolved around drinking. Like that was the main event of traveling for me. And so when I first quit drinking, I was like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to do a trip without booze? Um, And so I just think it's such a fun opportunity for people who are all sober to like go on a trip together together and have alcohol not be a part of it. Whereas if you're tra- traveling with other people, obviously you're gonna be around it. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna, There's. we just have a, a really full itinerary planned. We're gonna hike a volcano. We're gonna see like waterfalls. You can go canyoneering down some waterfalls, a coffee and chocolate tour, snorkeling. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to like, to meet some more people from the sober community and connect with them. So I'm really pumped about it.
1: That's awesome. Is that your first time traveling since sober? Not ever, I've but.
2: only done a quick weekend getaway to New York. So it'll be my first kind of proper, proper, big trip sober. Very cool. Yeah. I'm a very nervous flyer and I, I always relied on alcohol to fly. So doing my first, like I flew to New York. And so that was like a huge sober milestone for me. When I first quit drinking, I remember talking on the phone to my mom and being like, can't I just be a sober person who only drinks when they fly? (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, But I did it. So yeah, it's, it's, that was like one of my biggest milestones for sure.
0: I found traveling difficult as well. Like, um, mm-hmm. especially walking through the airport. I didn't think it would be difficult at all. And, <laughs> and oh, my, you're just walking through and you're like, burr, 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 burr. Yep. and uh, yeah, I don't know. I struggled with that one.
2: Yeah. It's hard. I'm so scared of flying. And that was like my only thing I did to cope was just to like get there and down as many once as I could before I boarded the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was funny. We went uh, on our way back. We like had breakfast at, um, at the airport and like, we were getting up to board the plane and our waiter, who was like a really nice guy who we had chatted with comes back and gives us like, we had gotten coffees to go. And he gives us three little cups with like a shot of whiskey and like Kahlua in it. I think and was like here to make the flight easier. And I was like, Oh my God, I would have been all over that before. but well, my Jeez. sister's got to pour it in there so there you go yeah
1: <laughs> i'm flying out to see uh to see mark tomorrow so i can oh are uh, you i'll see how this challenge goes through the airport here but
2: is it your yeah. is it your first one
1: uh well i flew from i'm living up in up north in susan now, but uh, oh wow so i've flown to toronto on porter and that was challenging because they always have free drinks but
2: mm, i flew uh, porter to new york as well so yeah, yeah i feel so. you
0: you mentioned that your dad uh, has been sober for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, has your relationship kind of gotten better in his sobriety?
2: In his sobriety?
0: Yeah, yeah, and in yours. Yeah. Have you guys been able to bond over that type of thing?
2: Yeah, we've bonded over it a little bit. Um, I think, yeah, our relationship has definitely gotten better since he since he quit drinking, slowly but surely.
0: <laughs> Is it something you like want to work on moving forward?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we're in a pretty good place right now.
1: I was wondering if you could uh, give us one of your inspirational quotes or your favorite inspirational quotes. I know you always finish your uh, podcast episode with one of those.
2: Oh, I would have gotten one ready if I'd known. We can
1: come come back to that if you want. Okay, okay,
2: I'll think Think about about
1: it. it. Yeah. didn't mean to put you on the spot. I hate being put on no, the spot. No, that's so I okay. I should have done that.
2: <laughs> I do love an inspirational quote.
1: Yeah. Do you want do... it now? No. Did oh, you think no. of it already?
2: I thought of one.
0: Normally, we ask people for their top fives, so, but we'll just give you top one here.
2: Top five inspirational quotes?
0: No, we won't do top five. We can do top
1: three. What we or one. Let's do one. Yeah, we were just working on one here. Yeah.
2: Okay, the only one that popped into my mind. Um, see, if I could like dig through my screenshots album on my phone right now, I could pull up so many. Uh, I really like the quote, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end.
1: Well, that's
0: good. <laughs> yeah, that one's good. It's deep. deep. Madeline, so what are your plans for the future?
2: Um. Okay. I'm trying to think when this, uh, when this podcast is coming out, what can I say? Uh, cause I do have a little announcement coming like this weekend. Um, but I definitely want to continue with podcasting. Um, I really hope to ho- host more of these sober trips. So Costa Rica is just the first one, but I'm hoping there will be lots more in the future. So I want to keep traveling and yeah, I just love, I love, um, I love being so connected with the sober community. It's like the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is connect on Instagram with people. And I really love that. And I hope to just kind of continue doing that and keep finding ways to support people on there. Um, So I do have some plans for that, that I'll be talking about soon. (laughs) Amazing.
1: Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, I think dialing in some trips that are like typically thought of as drinking trips. Like I've talked before about wanting to go to Nashville. It's on my bucket list, but Mm -hmm. I, really consider it with like my whole plan was before to just hit as many bars as possible and country country music yeah
2: or like ireland like i was looking at ireland and i was like that would be a big a big like drinking one typically right
1: yeah i think those would be super cool yeah you might might be able to sell one seat to my to myself anyway
2: (laughs) good to know because now i've got one already for nashville
0: yeah yeah so fellas any more questions for madeline
1: no, I know. It was awesome. I think it's uh, great hearing your story and, and uh, we love what you're doing and inspiring people that, you know, to maybe reconsider, think that uh, drinking, although their life might not be spiraling of control, it uh, could be a lot better if they just kind of cut it out as well. So
2: yeah, you don't yeah. have to hit a rock bottom before you make a change.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I heard,
0: I heard a quote the other day, Oh, let's rock hear it. Bottom, yeah. That rock bottom is whenever you stop digging.
2: I've heard that mm-hmm. one. And I love that one Me too. So good. And so true. Mm-hmm.
0: Madeline, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you did an amazing job and thank we you. appreciate everything you do for the sober community. And thanks again. So guys thanks for
2: having me. It's so nice chatting with you guys.
0: Absolutely. Likewise. Guys, if you or someone, you know, is struggling, uh, please reach out and ask for help as always. Thanks for listening. Bye.